podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, good evening. Yeah, I forgot I was hosting there for a second. Gavin, mm. I had your toes and it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Good evening, uh, everybody. Uh, welcome along to Winners and Losers on a Monday night with the lads. Gavin Dom here to talk about who the winners are and who are the losers of the weekend were. Um, we probably have more crack talking about who are the, in real life, who are the winners and losers. Mm-hmm. Mainly the, I think, top loser for me at the weekend, Gav, has to be the expert, the <laughs> the asteroid expert oh, on Virgin Media News, uh, who was celebrating his find of an asteroid out in, uh, in North Dublin Beach um, after finding a massive crater uh, and, and holding the, the whole country in, in his hands until what happened, Gav? Until it turns out it was two lads just digging a hole on the beach because it was nice out on the Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm sure everyone has seen it now, but I, st- I still think the best thing of the whole lot is when, like, when the whole country was going, wow, like Virgin Media sent a crew out there and this fella was talking about the shape of the brick and the bits on the edge and all. Then he turned around and had the audacity to turn around and go, I'm a bit disappointed it was two lads that dug a hole, but I'm going to go and get this brick tested anyway. I just thought it was the fucking best. And that's probably a week old now at this stage, but it just I think it's the best thing that's happened in the week. It is. It's it's, it's both the winner and the loser. It's both the winner and the loser oh, of the week. You, but, Dom, I, I think before, Gav, we, we got into that, we were just discussing how the Mexican aliens were actually cake. Honestly, it just gets worse, doesn't it? The, the stories get worse. They're trying to they're trying to find news now, aren't they? And it's just not working. But when I see it that is. knife go into that alien's forehead and lift a, a nice clump of sponge, <laughs> I didn't see this. Oh god, it's a lovely, a lovely Mexican. So, so did did he have like did he have a couple of aliens, and then they were showing them off? Were they like this could be like? They were the, your man brought them into the into some high court about how there was aliens uh, uh, if bodies found in Mexico and he brought them into corpses to show here's the little people that we found and there's this is proved as aliens and you're hiding the evidence etc etc etc. Oh, so this is a guy that's against the government, like yeah, he's like look, yeah, yeah. we found this. Right. It turns out though, aliens are also really nice, uh, also cake. So right. basically, when they die, you get a lovely sponge cake. And so did he cut them open? <laughs> the autopsy. No, hold on. Did he actually head. believe that these were real? Like, did he yeah, actually yeah, expect yeah. to cut these on? People believe like these are real, yeah, or was he, he just like taking the piss? No, he believed yeah. they're real. Like this, he was. He's he's a long held, um, proven that aliens exist, and the government's hiding the fact that aliens exist, and they're 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 robbing people in Mexico and everything like this. So, um, this is this is his proof. This was his wow. proof. This was his big moment. He had because you do he had the bodies of two aliens. You do see these things on on, oh, on like going. Facebook and stuff where where it's like cake or real. You know the sort of way. That's I'm what I was gonna say to you. It's the, it's the biggest advertisement for real or cake on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you sit there and you go, oh, that looks real. And, oh, fuck me, that's a cake. Like, you know what I mean? It could be a boot <laughs> or it could be the hubcap out of a car, um, but it turns out it was a cake. Um, so this yeah. is what it was. It was just a massive game of real or cake. 
I, I think it's just that somebody made the, up the aliens to make it look like cake in terms of what it is. Who knows at this stage, right? But I think it's wonderful. I think, I think anything that a voice is talking about Russell Brand at the start of this show is only a good thing, right, for everyone <coughs> involved. So um, we won't go there. Anyway, even and all, uh, we're going to talk about football. We're going to talk oh, about sorry, before you, be, sorry, before you do, Dylan O'Rourke so, says, the, okay. the meteor expert is my brother's friend's uncle. And he sent messages into the family chat before it even broke on Virgin Media. He was chuffed. All I'm going to say... <laughs> Dylan, oh, can I just tell you, Virgin Media News, they'd let anyone on Virgin Media News, I know that for a fact, yeah. and they'd let anyone on talk about anything, and they'd yeah. believe anything when they go on that news show, <laughs> yeah. honest to God. There's been some absolute reprobates on Virgin Media yeah. News over yeah. the years. Including That's us. All. Yeah, including me. Yeah. Oh, I knew where we were going with that. Go on. <laughs> Maybe the next time we're on, Gav, we can get the asteroid expert on to ask him, does he... Does he I'm definitely cake? bringing an alien made of cake. <laughs> exactly anyway where are we so it is the evening it's it's winners and losers there's lots of football on the weekend and we won't talk about um anything else uh, that's that's not fun news that that's going on there at the moment um lads i've got your winners got your losers it's definitely an interesting bunch and don't forget i want you to think now as i said to you gav i added this second yeah, in yeah, uh, right so our last uh, we've got we've got um I'll be just go with the last five minutes is going to be your pick for our winners and losers of the weekend. If you've I thought you were going to do the deadly on. division thing again where you went 180. <laughs> mm. I was doing it. It was by trace. That'd be about 60 seconds each. But no, the yeah. last couple of minutes we have to pick alternative winners and losers. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the okay. quick fire ones that you might have forgotten and things that might pop up in the chat as we go along. So everyone in the chat, you can lash out your winners and losers and we'll see if we pick up one of them as we go along. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I don't mind how we start the order tonight, but uh, we, I think we go, Dom, since you're a guest on the show, we'll start with your loser. Um, and uh, let's go there. Tell me what, what, what you, who was your loser the weekend? And it better be good or else I'm going to just drop you out. Of the <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. Every time I come on this chat, I seem to talk about Everton. So <clears throat> it's no big surprise that it's Sean Dyche. Um, the reason for this is Sean Dyche has built a resume and a CV up of being hard to beat and stopping teams get relegated, as he has done it quite a few times. There's no way he's stopping this sinking ship for me. Um, even the fans have gone against him now, and I think that was the only sort of thing keeping him in the job, if you ask me. And what I'm hearing now over this side of the water is the next three games are make or break if they don't get seven points, which shocked me because they think they're going to get something out of Brentford away. Um, then he should be gone. And I think he has to be the loser of the week for me, just on the basis mm-hmm. of Everton fans wanting Sean Dyche out the club. Phil would Gav. argue he should be there. If, you, if, if Everton fans want you out, you should absolutely take the money and run. Did, look, yep. I, I know, I know, I see where Dom's coming from on this. Um, Sean Deutsch, you see, when Everton were kind of had that money and they were ready to spend a lot of money probably three or four years ago, and they spent it and spent it awfully, um, they should have went and got Sean Deutsch because he would have bought them players where they would have went in and would have been real Everton, you know, in your face, but... A bit of quality, and I think he would have been perfect for them. He's come in there, um, big red going in there into uh, look much like Rafa going into Everton. And the thing for me is, is that, yeah, you expect them to be hard to be, you expect them to, um, you know, get balls into your box, you know, make it hard for you to get out, make it real rough and tumble kind of football. And they just haven't. And he sold, I think, he sold most of the creativity he had. Um, 
and he's brought in players with Dan June, with you know they think is creative, but they're trying to play him up front. He's a winger, they should, and they're trying to play him <coughs> as, as a central striker. They've brought in this guy Beto, and all it seems to be is just launcher at this fella. But they can't even launcher at him; they just keep hitting it twenty and thirty yards away from. Him. And mm. when you looked at Everton yesterday, last season I think they beat Arsenal and Sean Dyche is in charge. I'm nearly sure, and they've gone yeah, on about his first game. Yeah, they've, they've gone on about the V and protecting the V and all this fucking madness. And but the thing about that day was Arsenal had loads of the ball, much like yesterday. But when Everton won it. They were running channels. They were, you know, holding up the ball, winning frees, winning corners, hitting diagonals, hurting Arsenal and, and trying to walk off it. And yesterday, they done none of that. Absolutely yeah. none of it. And I listen, I always listen to the Blue Room podcast, which is an Everton podcast, but they're very straight down the line. They'll tell you how it is. And one of them just turned around and said, Arsenal should be ashamed of themselves only winning that one year yesterday. That's how yeah. bad Everton were. They, they were lucky in defence. They were shaky. They couldn't get out. When they did get out, they didn't want to give it to the wingers. They just kept launching balls out of play. And if that's what Sean Doy... And listen, he's under he's under pressure because of the money situation at Everton. But at the same time, in the money he spent, he could have brought in players that did indeed make them hard to be and could have hit diagonals at them and, and done all that sort of stuff. And he just hasn't. He just simply hasn't. He's re- He actually looks like a man who's absolutely terrified of the situation he's in. That's what it feels like to me. He looks like he does no way out from it. And well the only way out is probably the next three games and if it doesn't happen, he's out the he's out the gap. But who do you bring in then? Who no, do you bring just, in to that squad? Um, and it's just it's absolutely it's madness what's going on there. And yesterday I expected him to have a go at Arsenal. If you come out to your three nil loss, but you've had a real go, you go for him. But that yesterday what I think might be a tipping point for a lot of Everton fans where they go we didn't have a go, and they yeah. absolutely strolled to a one 0 win. Strolled yeah, win. It's very worrying. Seeing that they're actually, I've just been listening to a space, and obviously them Twitter spaces are some loons in them anyway. But they actually believe this loan money is going to help them. And for me, that's just another loan on top of the loans they've already got. So you know, it's okay having these new owners in, and they're already calling for like Graham Potter's the. I mean, I heard someone say Deserbi and all the Evertonians laugh, to be fair. Um, but uh, Graham Potter can't go to a club like that. So, like you said, Sean Dyche goes out to that club. I honestly couldn't give you a person that would save them other than him. If he can't save them, I can't think of many that can. It, it, I, I agree with you. I think, it's, I think it's one where they just look to me like you see the full-backs they play yesterday. Mm. they're pinning all their hopes on this lad at centre half who looks decent Brantway right Yeah. you've got Tarkowski that looks shaky as anything you've got Michael Keane that's all over the place you've got Andrew <coughs> Young that's 38 and seems to be in the team for his set piece taken and they're woeful right yeah. you've got Mikalenko at left back who's just all over the place you've got Patterson who's meant to be a young he is a young right back from Scotland who's been appalling this season for them and then you go into midfield and that big money Onana has done nothing it was a guy who's just going around the place like you know, whatever. Do you know what I mean? The core tries a bit. The new lad Beto might try a bit. Dominic Calvert Lewin will try a bit. But it's so hard when you've one fellow up front and the rest of us are just wandering around the pitch 40 yards from him. It just doesn't work. And mm. he honestly looked like a guy to me yesterday that was out of ideas and the writing's on the wall. Not so much for him, but he knows this is what he has for three months. He, this is what he has. 
he has well a bit of September left, October, November, December. So he's he's fourteen weeks to Christmas, I think it is, till the till the new window opens up, maybe somewhere around that. And he's probably going to play fourteen league games in that time. And I'd be shocked if they got a point a game out of that. Absolutely and utterly shocked from what I've seen yesterday. Because them players at some stage are going to break and go, I can't do this anymore. And these new owners, Standard Liège, are, they're, they're involved with Standard Liège and they absolutely despise them. This to Shame me looks like... Them. Yeah, but this looks like someone that's coming in here now and going, right, these are at the lowest ebb. They're building a new stadium. What can we do to go in there, right? Reduce costs massively, make our money and sell it on. That's what yeah. it looks like to me. And uh, from every angle, it looks like it's, <coughs> it's all over the place. I don't know what you think of a field, but it's, it's one point from five, and you can argue that the teams around you feel, but like, the other teams around them look like they're even having a go. They might score a goal. These don't. I, I'm just amazed we're picking Dyke, because, like, <coughs> he's, of all the things that's a problem at Everton, he's not, he's not the biggest issue. No, they've just not. been sold. They've just been sold to a group of lads who like to asset strip clubs and and get them relegated. They're 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 um, they're hated by the standard of the age fans. Genoa raised a bond, a four million pound bond, to keep the flo- club afloat with them having invested in. Hertha Berlin have had massive protests across the uh, across the whole club to try to get them out of the club, right? Um, and they got they got relegated on the back of them buying the club, right? So we're not talking about this. This crowd have a form uh, absolutely turning a mess into a sinking black hole of shite that leads to the fans becoming incredibly um, rowdy and vociferous in their dislike for their owners. How do you make Everton fans more vociferous and dislike their owners more than what they have at the moment? All they need to do is is short to set fire to Goodison Park and the new stadium and just burn in every single piece of Everton memorabilia that's left at the moment. i got to be straight, right? If I'm picking loser of the week and it has to be something to do with Everton, it's Jordan Pickford, and I'll keep that for later on. But when when I go through everything, right, there's one connection here. Everything were a decent mid-table side until Jordan Pickford turned up. And since then, it's been fucking abysmal. And it gets worse each week. And it coincides with his ability to be worse each week and their blindness to him each week. It's phenomenal. I'd love to see a graph, one of those Venn diagrams with all the other issues at Everton, Jordan Pickford and shite. And you, the, the other other problems will be over on their own, and there'll just be an interlocking of those two circles between Shite and Jordan Pickford, and that's it. That's that's mm. uh, that's it in a nutshell. So you can Dyke can, can can leave the club. He can go. If I was him now, I'd take my pay off and run because he's got he's guaranteed yeah. another five jobs in the Premiership, right? Because everything is. Look, I'm a Chicago Bears fan, and I keep referring to the fact that I feel like an Everton's fan watching them on a weekly basis because anything they do, anything that should go right, goes wrong. Every time they get like something that's meant to be quality, it goes wrong. Every time they seem to be on a run, it goes wrong. No matter how much they spend, no matter how much they change, no matter how much they try to do the right thing, it goes wrong. And it's immense. And eventually, eventually it's going to go wrong that it's going to literally get relegated. They're going to get relegated. And I don't think they'll just go one relegation. I think they'll suffer multiple relegations. Well, someone, someone says that there, right? And 
they said um, if they go into the championship, uh, Archie says if they go down, the championship will absolutely destroy them. Uh, Passio reckons they'll be fine because the fit and proper crew will do their job and stop it going through. I don't know what's going to happen with this seven 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 crew. If fit and proper, but Saudi Arabians were, were chopping lads up. I know, in, in, I know, in but, rooms, but that's, right? but that's <laughs> I, but I get that right. But what I'm saying is right, Phil. And I know you're hosting. I'm going to ask you this question because you're you, you're into the financial side of the stuff, right? What is the reason behind this crowd coming in here? Because I know there's mega TV deal come come, but you have to be in the Premier League for that. They have mass. They, they've massive debt on the club, right? Because I think their income to wages ratio or something was was up around 87, 88%, right? They've lost all the usman off money. Um, Mashiri doesn't want to put any money in. I don't know what the 777 crowd are giving to Mashiri to get him out. And they do hate Mashiri and they probably hate him even more for selling him to this crowd. But Everton fans been Everton fans go, oh no, these are coming in, these will fucking save us because that's how the carry on is. But what do these, this crowd get out of it, Phil? Because if they go into Everton now, Okay, and they want the asset strip and they want to reduce costs and stuff like that. The chances of them making moves in the January transfer window would be minimal. All right, if they go down, what do this crowd get out of owning Everton? Because, like you said, you could have multiple relegations. You do have the the big stadium or the fifty thousand seat stadium on the docks, right? But what do they get out of it? It feels like a, a ridiculous investment. So, if you take away the football element, right? And you look at the fact that their portfolio is bigger than any Arab fund, any nation state, anything else, right? It gives them the ability to raise finance in the financial markets for whatever they want to do, right? They're a fund that's meant to live off their investors' investments into it. So if I so can show a huge fund. Yeah, so if I can show a portfolio, remember, their insurance, their travel, there's, there's a range of businesses that sit in the back of 777. Mm. And there's, is there's there like, right, is there right in getting hold of the stadium as the owners of the stadium? No, I think I think this is, again, it's brand awareness. Like, it's getting to the point where it's cheaper to buy a football club than to sponsor a football club, say, a Manchester United or a thing. It's, it's a bit like what Fenkies did at Blackburn. Think about it like this. If you take it to its logical progression and you have 30 clubs in a portfolio and you can put your brand on those 30 clubs, you've got global coverage. It's probably going to cost you a billion, right? If you were to try sponsor that many teams across the globe, it's going to cost you more than that. So it's actually a cheaper way of getting your brand out there without having to put in the distribution networks and all that type of stuff. If you want to, if you want to generate more interest and you want to bring in bigger and, and more wealthy individuals into your fund to increase the value of your fund, then again, brand that that becomes part of the brand awareness. Suddenly, people are aware of the seven seven partner capital funds. It allows them to, to put bigger investments into the market, and it also allows them to leverage in the case that they want to raise finance for against whatever the portfolio is, because that portfolio is going to have a significant asset value that's underpinning it. And if they want to raise money against it, they've got tangible assets to sit there. You think about the stadium, you think about all that type of stuff, right? Um, and even with the debt that sits on everything, they're going to be able to show consolidated group accounts, which show here's the total value of of all our clubs. Here's the total of debt. It's going to be dwarfed compared to what they're actually looking at, which allows them to probably raise finance to complete this deal. And it's also going to allow them to, to leverage whatever they want to do because they're not leveraging it against one club. They're leveraging it against a number of different clubs, right? Because So, they just, said, use, so they just use everything as leverage to finance other things they want to do? Yeah, and, and to create that distribution, that advertisement, that, that whole in, piece And in the, end, in the end, you just you strip a bear and you sell it on for fuck all because you've leveraged your deals already and then you can get rid of it and pull it off as a loss. 
If you really wanted to do something smart here, you take over the club, it might cost you 500 million, then you raise a mortgage on the stadium that they've built in 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 um in in Bramley Dock. under the water. Under the water. Yeah. You you raise Sponge a mortgage on that for, for twice the amount that you put it on, right? You let make the club pay it back. You use the money then to invest across the series of 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 other pieces that you have and probably put a token amount into Everton. Um and then you don't give a shit. Because when you walk away, it's not going to be your money. You know what I mean? If the, if the stadium gets repossessed, you don't care. Like, let's be honest about it. Like, pure yeah, hard so brass. Just, so, so you're, yeah. See, see, that's more like Ashley says. The own stakes in Hertha Berlin, Sevilla, Genoa, Vasco da Gama, Belgian club Standard Liège, French Standard Liège, French team yeah, Red Star FC, an Austrian team, Australian team Melbourne Victory. <clears throat> but I don't see like I I completely get where you're going there. Um, own books is Everton have 300 million in loans from a company who have no employees. The company also borrowed the money from somewhere else. They're charging Everton incredible amounts of interest on those loans. So I get if you come in and you've unlimited funds and you go, we're buying Everton, 400 million. The new stadium there, we can we can take over that. We can make it 70,000. We can go fucking rush our right. But they, these aren't coming in with unlimited funds. These are coming in to consolidate their own like portfolio you say and leverage everything against other things so all they're really going to do with everything is just going to leave them sit and just use their name as a leverage and that stadium as a leverage that's all they're going to do isn't it i think what they're trying to do is essentially use similar to the glazer model at united and the united fans got mad about the glazer model the glazer model has allowed united to finance finance itself more than every team bar manchester city in the premier league for the last 15 years right They've been able to pay and spend more money than any other club, and yet they've been able to pay massive dividends and the interest payments and loan repayments and the debt that sits on top of the club as well. Right? Like the idea here is you don't need to borrow at that level, but you're borrowing at a level that the club will be able to sustain and you don't have to make a penny of it. But you know what you're doing? You're taking the dividends and the profits out of the club because you're a fund. That's what you are. And I'll be honest with you, right? We've been blessed in the sense that FSG haven't tried to take any money out of Liverpool. And people don't like people hate FSG and you see all the madness that goes on, but they haven't taken money out. They've loaned money into the club. They get put money into the club in the first instance. Then they loan money into the club to allow the stadium to be built. And they've only taken some money back with regards to the payments on the loans that they put into the club. Right. They haven't gone in and said, well, the club is profitable to the, to the tune of 40 million. And we're taking 30 million of that out in dividends across the, across the course of whatever season it was that were profitable in. Right. So in, in reality, unless you have a, oligarch slash wealth fund slash nation state backing you most of these funds and owners that own it know how to finance debt in the corporate world because that's how they got to be as rich as they are right and they're going to utilize their assets to get there and you are naive if you think that that isn't the situation so when i look at this when i look at the 777 thing it is an opportunity for them to get in and add a premier league club to their portfolio which increases the value of the portfolio on the before we go on then is there a good thing for everything that 777 go in there for for the for the for the fan on the street is it a good thing for everything listen no matter how good they could get right they could have i know china take over everything and it would still not happen it will fall over tomorrow china would get blown up by a meteor that was found on the beach of malahide right it'd be like it'd be just something mad would happen and there'd be no money to put into everything but is it, it is a good thing no, it's not. No, Let's because be horses, lads, the fact 777, the only investors willing to come in should terrify Evertonians. 
listen to me. The only good thing that if uh, the, what Everton needed was Saudi Arabia to take over them like they did at Newcastle. That's the only thing that possibly turns this whole ship around. And even then, they're jinxed. It's just some clubs are jinxed and they're jinxed, and that's just the way it is, right? Yeah, no, it's just, they it's sold just interesting. They, 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 they sold every facet of their soul out in 1994 so that Joe Royal's Dogs of War could win an FA Cup, right? Since then, it's been an absolute clusterfuck. Even think of the time they got fourth, we got fifth, and they got kicked out of the Champions League. Think about the time that they went and they had the one Champions League qualifier and got knocked out by FC Oyler down from, from fair No, Villarreal knocked them Whatever. Who cares? They don't even exist anymore. They were submarine. They're sunk. It, like, think about this, right? No matter what happens... If anything can happen, it doesn't make a difference. They're geek. It's over for them. Just face right. it. They need to get relegated. They need to go to Sunday. <coughs> yeah, but I think... We're, Netflix. You see, that that's why I think... Anyway, I'm the, hosting. Here, shut up. On to the next okay, one. Okay, sorry. Next topic, right? I'm, just, I'm just really interested in it. Come on. I know, yeah. We could do it. Do it. We'll start an Everton podcast just for a laugh and just mm. pretend we're blues. We'll change our names. What can you be? I'll be seven Gark six Molebridge. seven podcast. I'll be Gark Molebridge and you can be somebody else. So you just, you just take it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, that, that'll definitely work. Right, um, we did Dom's loser. So, Gav, give me your loser for the week. Oh, loser! Oh, yeah. oh, oh, we're going that way. Okay, um, uh, Ten Hag, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I watched, I watched United on Saturday, and for what's gone on over the last week with Ten Hag, oh, not the last week, that they, they lose to Arsenal before the international break, and the whole stuff around Jaden Sancho comes out, and um. I don't think Ten Hag came well out of that, came out that well, because you know he has this well supposed reputation. He doesn't take any messing, and he got rid of Ronaldo, and he done this and he done that, and they lose to Arsenal. And I think his professionalism, his levels of professionalism, there dropped massively after that game. If he has an issue with Jaden Sancho, and Jaden Sancho has an issue with him, Ten Hag should have been man enough to go to him and say, "Listen." I'm going to get asked about this. We have got an issue. We're going to try to sort it. But if I get asked about this, which I probably will if we get beaten or if we win, about where you were, your availability, I'm going to say you have a slight knock and you'll be walking on through the international break and hopefully you'll be back, blah, blah, blah. And then we can sit down and discuss the real issue um, where you think I'm a prick and vice versa. Um, and he doesn't. He turns around and he starts saying, well, based on training this week, he wasn't picked and stuff like that. Jaden Sancho comes out and says, hold on a minute. Um, I trained very well all week, blah, 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 right? Now, then it, comes, it, then it comes into this game on Saturday. And the reason I was thinking about Jaden Sancho during this game was not that I thought Jaden Sancho would massively improve Manchester United. But I looked at that game on Saturday and I thought to myself, what are these people doing in training if these are justifying being picked in this team? Because Brighton play lovely football. Okay, they, they're neat, they're tidy, they move, they're, they're brave on the ball from back to front. I get all that, but honest to God, Phil, Brighton played at a little above a pedestrian pace at Old Trafford on Saturday and ripped Manchester United to shreds. Okay, it wasn't mad fast, bum 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 bum. It wasn't the second goal in that game. Brighton start with a goal kick, okay, and they moved the ball about 60 yards up the pitch, they come back. They then move it into the middle of the pitch and switch a ball. And this guy on the wing doesn't run fast. He just strolls towards the box, passes it inside. Another fella drops a shoulder and scores. It's a really good goal to watch. Aesthetically beautiful to watch. But I'm watching Manchester United players now. Rashford literally does not run 
in the whole move does not run. The midfielders don't press. The defenders don't tackle. The midfielders then don't track. The centre-halves are literally falling over themselves trying to get out of the way. And I'm looking at this guy on the sideline who two weeks ago said a player didn't get picked because of performance and training, but I've picked that 11 to go out and do that. So they must be bollocksed after training on a Friday and just can't do it on a Saturday. And I think he's getting away with murder. I genuinely think he's getting away with murder here. And I speak to United fans and he said to me, he came toward last year and he won a late cup. Hold on a minute. He came toward last year, right? And there was teams around him where appalling. Chelsea, mm-hmm. appalling. Liverpool, appalling. Spurs, not much better, right? All appalling, all right? And won a late cup, fine. Won a late cup. I've no problem with that. But they've gone out this season, and I think they're going back towards what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was doing with them. No pace, no trying, no pressing, no tracking, hope to win the ball, hit you on the break, score a goal. That's it. And if that's where Eric Ten Hag is 15, 16 months into the job at Manchester United, with a bigger spend, I think, than most around them, um, I think he should be in trouble. I think he absolutely should be in trouble. And I think the only thing that's saving him right now is certain media personalities, former players who continue to run this narrative about their owners, which has valid reasons to it, but is not the main problem right now. Them players on the pitch cost a lot of money and he's there to train them and he's there to coach them and put them into a system and he simply isn't doing it. So for me, after that, at the weekend, as soon as that second goal went in, I said on Monday night, he's my loser of the week. Dom, how do you feel about Eric Ten Hag or the ball? I'm, I'm a gav on that, to be honest with you, because I'm half thinking he sort of put the nail in the coffin for me when he gave Bruno Fernandes the armband. Um, I think that was a bad choice to start with. And then they give um, Rashford the posh Theo Walcott 350 grand a week. Honestly, I, I just don't understand what his plan is. I, I don't see it on the pitch. I don't, I don't ever feel like they're getting any better under him. I don't fear them to start with, and I can't wait till they come back to Anfield if he's still there. Because, that, like I said, that Fernandez one was the biggest thing for me. He's, he's going on about these players, let's say Jaden Sancho, not putting it in in training, but then he's got players who aren't putting it in on the pitch when it actually matters. Okay, it might matter on the training pitch, but you know, in front of these millions and millions of people, you've got Bruno Fernandez walking around the pitch at Anfield, booting young lads that are taking the piss out of him. And then you've got, like, so Rashford not getting back. Does he have to? I don't know. That's maybe his role that they give him, but to them, for them to let people walk past them. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like certain decisions he's made, he thinks that he can live off the Ronaldo one by doing this with the players like Sancho. Well, I've done it to Ronaldo and I've forced him out, so look at me. I can do it to anyone. Um, and I kind of feel like he's letting his ego get the best of him as well. Um, the Sancho one, it just it just stinks, doesn't it? It just stinks. It, just on Bruno Fernandez, I think I had him down as a loser the week, the week the, after the international break, mm-hmm. because he spent more, he spends more time arguing than playing football. He spent three minutes in injury time on Saturday. This is the god honest truth. He spent three minutes running around after the referee on at Old Trafford on Saturday during injury time, only to be booked. That's what he's done. I'm sorry. The captain of Manchester United ran around in the referee's ear. While the game was going on, kept doing it. 
instead of going, mm. I'm a footballer, I'm meant to play football and do things for this football club. Now I'll just argue with this fella running around in the black. And that's that's where he is at this moment. And Dom's right. When you start picking captains like that who give up at Anfield after 60 minutes when you're getting hammered, you, you give him the captaincy. And he spends more time running around arguing over what's going on rather than, you know, making things happen. And to dispel that argument by winning games, it, it goes back to the manager. I don't care. Like, <coughs> it's like Paddy Power said at the weekend, one of the one of the guys who should have tracked that run from Adam Lallana at the weekend um, or tracked that run from Danny Welbeck. Like, this is where we're at now. It's I. I just think he had. If it wasn't for the Glazer stuff, I think Ten Hag would be. They would be calling for his head, like literally now. But that that narrative continues to go. So he, he'll get more time. Um, as I said, was it last week when you picked Bruno Fernandez? I said no. He's the perfect symbol for what United have been yeah. for the last thirteen years, yeah. right? Um, and he is. Uh, Ten Hag is just another. I, I'm so I'm actually quite surprised. The only thing I'm sort of hesitant just to go two feet in on this, um, because he was call, he was called Eric ten games at the start of last season because it took about seven games to get them going, right? Uh, so I want to see them pass those four seven games and see what happens. I think it was, and the United fan was probably was 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 terrified of this Brighton team coming to Old Trafford based on the performances that have been going on for the first few games of this season, and rightly so. I think what what Brighton did is. I think the Zerbi is, is, is a smashing manager and um, he's done amazing with Brighton. And I think the Brighton recruitment team have been phenomenal. And if I could sign them all up on a contract in two years' time and put them in Liverpool, I'd be I'd be a happy man, to be totally honest with you, right? Like, I'd just look at it and just go, if you could just lift that structure and put them in and give them more money, because that's what they get, imagine what they could do, because that's essentially what Liverpool did under Klopp for the first phase of, of what the Klopp thing looks like. So that's the best compliment i can pay the zerbi in terms of who it is it's the way they play football reminds me a lot of how guardiola's football when he started and sort of that phase between barcelona and Bayern munich when he got there there's a verticality to their play that makes this makes sense of all that passing that goes on because if you think of what, what barcelona was like when 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 guardiola left it was all just keeping the ball for the sake of keeping the ball and giving it to Messi and Messi does something of magic and they score 10 goals like you know what I mean whereas when he went to Bayern Munich without that he had to change the way he played and went from horizontal really to adding a verticality which changed and, and made the game the way he plays more attractive and that's the uh, credit to the way Brighton are playing I, I really like how they do now that's Brighton aside coming back to Ten Hag everything Ten Hag does makes sense if they offload Harry Maguire they're able to offload Sancho. They sign adequate replacements. They don't have to rely on Johnny Evans and their midfield makes sense. Okay. Everything he does makes sense. When you fail to offload those lads and have to play them, when you have to rely on fellas that you've ditched now to pick you up out of the hole that you're in, when you sign a fella who in goal who has no arms, who's even worse than Jordan Pickford, right? Like he should, he, he, I've never, I, I'm going to tell you now, I have never seen a worse goalkeeper play for Manchester United in the last 30 years. He is fucking appalling. And I've I don't think the other day saying, I think he's conceded seven goals from 11 shots on target or something. Yeah. The third goal he conceded, I think it was the third goal he conceded where he gets two hands on it and then it goes through his hands. Honestly, right? Honestly. We had to live through all this. Gav, I said this to you the other day. This is this is peak 
us being shite, right? Like this is this is this is when we we knew that any chances of us ever being relevant was a long way off in terms of what's there, and that's what's happening here. And I'm gonna sit back and I'm gonna relish it. And the more that you have the Gary Neville's out there giving out that it's all the Glazers' fault, the more I'm just gonna sit back and say, "You're right, Gary. You're right. It's the Glazers' fault." You should keep Ted Hag there for. Another 20 years. And do you know what? Give him another 400 million to spend because he's spending that money brilliantly. He's brought in 85 million for a fella now who's, who's we won't even talk about where he is because no. he's probably in an apartment with Russell Brand somewhere. We, we've got, we, we've spent another 85 million on a fella who just. We won't happens talk to about what we'll say that. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> they've signed they've spent well another 100 million on a fella whose name sort of looks like Hallands. that's basically seems to be the only logical reason why they signed them yeah. right um they've they've spent th- their midfield has been a desert for years right and it still is and i feel sorry for mctominay because he plays well for scotland and you just look at it, he's he's the problem now it's not it's like they should have better midfielders they signed casemiro and they got the best out of casemiro and it looks like casemiro's legs fell off casemiro's what 34. it was inevitable it was going to happen like you're signing the fella at the end of his career yeah but the, like, thing with, this... but the thing but the thing with casemiro is is that if you put casemiro in there at 34 and you want to play in a certain system which is a 4-2-3 one he wants to play right you put somebody in there that compliments him a with legs and B wants to play there. He's put Mason Mount in there. He's put Bruno Fernandez in there, and he's uh, he's put McTominay in there. Now McTominay plays, wants to go forward for Scotland. Bruno Fernandez just runs around arguing with fellas, right? Mm. And Mason Mount has played wide left and wide right for Chelsea, maybe in a ten, and he continues to. It's like Mason Mount was linked to another club, and they went, "No, we'll get him." We'll show you how it's done. We'll get him. For what? It doesn't matter. Just get him. Um, and instead of turning around going, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll put him on the right-hand side. And we'll put Rashford on the left. And we'll put this Hoyland fellow up front. Right? No. That's not what they're doing. Right? They're <coughs> they continue to play Troy Rashford up front. He's not a forward. Put him out on the left. He continues to go with Anthony up until recently. Where Mount is a better player than Anthony. He's more output. He suits them much better. He works harder. And it just seems to be all the time he just keeps churning these players into positions and then just standing there and going, what, what? Like, it's, like, even when you look at um, Wan-Bissaka, he completely gone Wan-Bissaka last season. Gone. Nowhere to be seen. Trying to sell him, trying to get rid of him, trying to loan him, trying to... Then Wan-Bissaka's playing away at Arsenal. Wan-Bissaka starts away at Arsenal. And it's like, he keeps buying these players. There's no plan behind it. He'll fall out with a load of them. He'll put them in the team. And listen, Liverpool won at the weekend. Liverpool were outworked at the weekend in the first half. Outworked completely, right? Wolves were well on it. Liverpool were sluggish, but they were outworked, right? Now, if Liverpool come out with that game and it worked as hard as Wolves all game, bit unlucky, drew one all ago, shit happens, right? But he's putting these players on the pitch and they're not working. And tactically, they're not working. And physically, they are simply not walking and he is standing there and I promise you Phil if they did if they had if they had fucking Qatari owners today and that team went out and done that at the weekend literally the fans would go on the pitch lift that manager up and fuck him onto the Brian Robson Boulevard or whatever the fuck they have over there and tell him to piss off 
Listen, that's what happened. I'm gonna. I'm telling you. Look at the team. They they sign lads who haven't been able to stay fit for a week, right? And then they're, they're acting surprised that they've loads of injuries. It's like if you sign injury. It's like when we signed Thiago. I've said this to you before, Gavin. I sat on the on the podcast and I said, "Look, I think Thiago's a great signing, but I'm terrified we'd only get somewhere between 22 to 25 games a season now. When I think it's a, it's pointless because we need somebody who's going to go in there and spare more. And he's averaged 24 games since he came here. Yes. You don't. It, this is what you do. You sign your man Varane. And he's a Rolls-Royce defender when he's fit. The problem is he's only going to be fit for 24 games a season. And this, and now it's like, oh, well, you know, if Varane was there, we would have done this. And we have we have to play Johnny Evans. And we've had to bring Harry... No, no shit. You have your man, Lissandro Martinez, who is like... He's not even tall enough to be in the Smurfs football team. And to play him at centre-back is ridiculous, right? Yeah, he's, but they call him the butcher, Phil. Like they call him the butcher. He is because right? he's, he's butchering their defense. Yeah, Fair play fucking, to him. It's he, like... he should be fucking. He should be in Asda behind the butcher counter. Like they he call him the butcher. On. Go on. He got turned inside out, didn't he, for that goal as well? Did you see that? Yeah. The black <laughs> but but there's lads in the stand with Argentinian flags, the butcher, oh, and mate. running through the cop and all this. The butcher and like, what are you talking about? This fella can't kick a football, but it's all right because he has a nickname. This that is where flag should have got banned after the Anfield performance. It's did you see? Did you see insane. how far away? Did you see the swipe? He was five yards away with the swipe <laughs> for that goal. It wasn't even like your man was close to him and turned him inside out. It was like your man threw a <laughs> shape on FIFA torn in and it just turned around and it turned up in twenty twenty three. Like that's how far away he was from this. It was appalling. But, this, and you sit but, back the, but then, go, but then they signed your man like there. Emma says it. Regulon. They signed Regulon. Regulon has been ostracised as sports. They don't want your man Regulon the, the left back, right? And I think I think Luke Shaw gets injured, right? And they go, let's get a left back. Now, instead of looking into that club and going, have we got anyone that can play left back? They go, no. They have a fella. He signed. He fucking signed <laughs> from, I think it was Feyenoord or Peel, one of these Dutch teams, right? Um, I can't. I always forget his name. It starts with an M, and I think it ends with an L. Um, Morcia or something like that. He signs this fella, and he goes out and he signs Regulon from Spurs instead. Instead of going, do you remember the fella I signed last season as my backup left back? I'm going to play him. Listen, no, as he doesn't, a, as I he said, doesn't yeah, take some fella from Spores on loan. Gav, you, you could be right that he's a loser of the week, but <clears> because it's clearly the Glazers' fault on not having it, right? So that's that's what I'm No, he's my, he's, my, he's my loser of the week because Molasses. Get the contract out and get him to sign it. 10-year extension. No, th- th- right? This is the reason why he's my loser of the week, because go beyond all the bullshit. Go beyond all the fucking messing with regards to the Glazers and stuff. And listen... Mm-hmm. Does I, I always say it? There's valid reasons why Manchester United fans want the Glazers out, right? The biggest one being that they bought the club on a loan, right? That's fine. I have no problem with that. But when you look at the team that's on on the pitch, the eleven that are on the pitch there the other day, it's either a a lot of fucking money or b that manager's decision, and combine them with telling Sancho in public that he didn't pick you, right? Because of his training performances, and then having the audacity to send that team out. And watch that unfold in front of you. Get beyond all this smokescreen shit. Eric Ten Hag absolutely is the loser of the week because that was an appalling performance from Manchester United. Before we finish, Dom, anything to add to this? Because it's 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 you could have a phenomenal evening of discussing how I think that you should be given a ten-year extension. So, anything else? To... No, it's just it's music to my ears when we sleep Man United and Everton. So I just I just listen and enjoy. Do you know what the best bit of the whole week was? 
Phil Jones ran down a contract at Manchester United oh. for about three years, right? Without playing. He's right. the winner of the week. Right, right. <laughs> runs, runs down a contract at Manchester United. Couldn't get rid of him. They were trying to loan him out to Bordeaux and all sorts last season to go, listen, would you ever fuck off for the last year of contract? No. His contract runs out. He's back at Manchester United as the under-18s manager. It's 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 a phenomenal um, yeah, well, unless, unless they don't unless they don't that behind ten hags back, that man is responsible for that decision as well. Long may it continue because as far as I'm concerned, I'm looking at this going, this is phenomenal. There's talk of Edwards. Even if Edwards goes there, I'm going to tell you now, it's this jinxing thing. I keep coming back to it, right? It will take him at least eight years to sort out that mess that's going on there. Ten Hag clearly thinks he has the Mourinho slash Louis van Gaal vibe to him because all the stuff he does is straight out of the ten, uh, straight out of the Mourinho and Louis van Gaal book. Have a fight with a player at the start of the season, ostracize him, use that to galvanize the squad, go from there, right? But you have to get rid of the fella that you ostracize. He was able to do it with Ronaldo last le- season. He's failed this season with Maguire, Sancho, <laughs> and the list is endless. Like there's about five players that he's now relying on to play. That he was trying to freeze out of the squad. Harry so, Maguire is playing every week for England, or every time for England, right? And he can't get a game because Johnny Evans is being brought back seven years yeah, after I, playing I, for I Manchester got, United. Like the worrying thing about Michael Edwards in the Man United director's box—that's not worrying. Michael Edwards is setting up a company with the other guy that was at Liverpool, and they're basically going to be consultants in for clubs. Yeah, yep. where they're going to go, clubs are going to go to them and go, "Listen, we have an issue here, right? Let a look at it. We think we should go for someone like that, right? Good idea, because then you're not tied to any club." But they're licking their lips, going here. These cunts are going to be ringing us every fucking day for about three years. <laughs> the money they're going to make off them non-stop. It's non-stop. not like it's not like Liverpool going mm, that left centre half. Give Ian Graham a ring there and Michael Edwards and see, and they go, well, boom, boom, boom. We were thinking him. Yes, no, honestly, we? Like, if, if I'm Michael like Edwards, I, I'm using that software to identify fellas who are between 16 and 18, and I'm turning myself into a football agent because the amount of money I'm going to clean up, everyone using the same statistical knowledge that he brought in at Liverpool, and which put us on a different track. You clean up, he could, he could identify the lads right now and have a, a massive book. He'd be oh, like your man. But your man Ragnick done this for them. Your man Ragnick went out oh. and said, boy, um, boy, so he said, oh, boy, there was three or four players. Remember, Sean, he's telling me, and he went, nah, you're all right. No, we're not doing nah, that. Why? Because they weren't big right. enough money. Right, we've done losers. We've had too much fun with losers. Let's move yeah. on to the winners because winners tend not to be funny and I just get bored. No. So, Dom, yeah. what's your winner of the week? <laughs> I actually my think I'm going to like this one, but go on anyway. My winner of the week was General Quanza. Um, I think that's how you say his name. Came into the Liverpool side. Everyone was surprised, like I was, that he was in the side. I thought it was going to be Canate back in there, Gomez on the right. Um Slots in, and for me, was probably the only one, maybe Robbo in the first half, that could hold his head high. Um, Gomez, we know Gomez. Matip getting run rings around him as well. I thought Quanta was actually quite decent. For a 20-year-old lad to make his first start in the Premier League for Liverpool, in them circumstances, I think he's done his career no harm at Liverpool Football Club at all. Gav? I think this has worked really well for this fella. Um, I think there's been loads of chat over the summer with regards to signing another centre half because Liverpool look, and I think there's again there's valid reasons behind that because we're, that was the fifth league game yesterday, and we were out Van Dijk. Um, Canati could only come off the bench because he was had to be previously injured. Um, Matip looks rusty as anything. Gomez has had two really good games and was shifted to right back, so you could see that centre back was kind of like look. 
it's not like if one goes down, we're in trouble. Two went down, we were we it looked like we we're in trouble, and the trouble was bringing this twenty year old in. Um, so the whole talk of I'm not I'm not dissing the the idea of signing another centre back far from it, but we are where we are, and I think Jurgen Klopp has made a decision on this lad where he's going to trust him. Um, I think he's going to trust him in the league games, certain ones, and I think he's going to um and when needed because I thought you mightn't see him now for another month in the, in the Premier League because the little lads are back, but I think it's worked out quite well for him because. I think he, he, he comes on and Newcastle when we're down to 10 men, I think he's really, really good. Um, he, he plays there on Saturday and I think he was probably the best defender on the pitch um, for the time he was on it. Um, and now Liverpool didn't cover themselves in glory defensively, but for a 20-year-old, it wasn't Liverpool getting overran here because this 20-year-old is here. It, it was probably Liverpool only one down um, because he's playing. You know the sort of way, it was more of a positive than a negative. Um, he comes off, Kanati comes on, and he comes off to everyone thinking, that's another really good game. And lines himself up really well, I think, for this Europa League campaign, where he's proven himself in t- two really difficult situations when you think about it. He comes on against um, he comes on against Villa, I think. Um, was it Villa? Yeah, um, it was. Yeah. yeah, and he was really good when he came on there as well. So I think... It's just lined up really nicely for him. Now, I'm not saying when Liverpool look at transfers in four months' time or nine months' time that they, they don't look at a centre-half because I think they do need one. And I think it's probably one where you look and say to yourselves, we need somebody that's levels above what he currently is looking at Van Dijk in the next year or two or wherever it might be. But yeah, I've nothing against him being winner of the week because, like I said, being a centre-half at Liverpool is not easy. We play yeah. a high line. There's a lot of responsibility on you, A, to hold that high line, track people, but play the game as well. That we A lot of our stuff comes from our centre-halves being brave and good range of passing. And I think he's passed the test. He really has passed the test in the last couple of games. I don't want, and this isn't to disparage him, I don't want to see him loads this season. I do want to see him dropped in and out. I want to see him in some home games, some away games, like them European games. And I want to get to the end of the season where I go, do you know what? I can't wait to see him next season. I cannot yeah. wait to see him next season. And we've spoken about Caldwell at Chelsea, who's another cracking centre half, to be fair. And I think he's been a bit misused by Chelsea. But when you look at this lad, you go, you know what? Um, a year down the road, he probably have as much experience as Caldwell has had coming into this season. Let's see where he is. And I think uh, he must be buzzing the fella. Like he must be absolutely buzzing. And you could see Van Dijk's reaction to him coming off the pitch. Van Dijk took was high fiving everyone, but took a minute with him. As if to mm. say, you know what, you know what, fair fucking play to you. So, um, yeah, I've no problem with it being one of the week. It's it's great to see players coming through like that. And we all love big signings. We all love quality signings. But when you see someone coming through like that, when they're brought through properly and drip fed at times and then put in for a run, taken out, and you see the progression, and you're already seeing already, I think it's I think it's brilliant. Yeah, from, let's not forget, he's been there since he was five years old as well. So, 15 years down the line, he's, he's, he's lived he's living a dream already. You know, no one can ever take that away from him. But the most important thing is he looks like a good player and he's a good proposition. He's a good, you know, he's he's coming into a squad that no one ever expected him to come in so soon. So I wish him nothing but the best because I think I think he looks superb to me. I I'm not going to dispute anything. I look I always I've 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 proclaimed um centre backs and homegrown centre backs for many a year. Um as we know from 
talking last week, the very first name, the name of the very first pod was called Martin Maldini. That didn't pan out the way I thought it was going to. Um, but in this instance, he reminds me a lot of Reese Williams, but without the weaknesses. So, and I think mm-hmm. that's that's in, in the most positive sense. I thought Williams was very good on the ball and he was very good in the air, but he lacked pace behind him and wasn't good in the turn. Whereas I think Kwanzaa has both of them. So when you look at it, the, the thing that made Van Dijk elite was again that bit, that pace and that ability to turn. I think he has enough. I'm not saying he's 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 going to be that level. I'm not proclaiming that whatsoever. But when he steps in, he looks like he's had he has more tools than say the likes of Billy Camesio, Reese Williams, Nat Phillips. When they've all come in and come through the ranks, they've all done well, but they've been missing one thing. He looks like he has the lot and you know the comparison to Joe Gomez, everyone was, was on Joe Gomez's back and I just felt this is Gomez reverting to the level that we expected. But we also were doing something mad in terms of expecting to step in and play Trent's role exactly. Like that to me was, if I was going to, I'm going to put it in, my loser of the week was Jorgen Klopp's first half tactics. I think it was a fucking stupid, like I'll be totally yeah. frank with it, right? It exposed Quantz, it exposed Matip, it exposed Gomez, it exposed the team. The goals, the goals were coming from that. McAllister's flow was, was up in, Matthew Pichu playing a football match on top of a temple that the Incas built 14,000 years ago at 10,000 feet altitude on oxygen bags, right? He flies all the way back, having been picked up in a balloon. He gets back and they put him straight up. I'm not going to play up there. And, they, and, and he lands. Just and a he big rank there. Just a big rank with loads of balloons. And another taxi. Just one balloons. Balloons. Who's next? And it dropped him off. It dropped him off on the pitch. He was told to get changed in the balloon and he had to get dropped off on the pitch, right? And he was wrecked. And you could see he was wrecked from the moment he set foot on the pitch. And I, to me, I was just there going, this is madness. Surely you want to sit in and be solid for the fourth. You know that the team has flown in from all over the globe in terms of what it is. Mm. You've missed mm. six of them for training. You've got fellas there who haven't been there and you're, you're starting them. I'm just like, for me, I'm there going, right. And then to see Kwanzaa come through that first half and not really put a foot wrong, the goals don't come down the side. The chances don't come down the side. There was one chance that, that potentially came down on the right-hand side that they whipped in, that there was a good piece of defending that went down from it. Robertson was looked geek. They go back to just normality. They just go back to a simple back four in terms of what's there. Put some structure around what's in front of it. And I think they need to... I think, I think Klopp needs to reset his own mind. He was playing Trent there because of a weakness they had in midfield. They don't have that weakness anymore. Curtis Jones was brilliant on, at the weekend, right? Jabazaloy well, was brilliant when he was freed up from what he was trying to do, which was everything in the first half, right? Yeah. And they just ha- there is that capability. There is that capability now to not have to worry about, well, we have to sort of allow for the fact that Hendo's 33, well, 32 pushing on 33 and doesn't have the engine like he had before. They all have the engine. Yeah, like we weren't playing Endo, we had all these lads, right? And so Sorry, I've just visions about Alexis McAllister in the balloon now, floating, <laughs> just floating into the Albert Dock and landing on that weather oh, thing yeah. in the middle of Albert Dock. What's the story? Yeah, I'm just home. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Here's some oxygen. Tiny balloon to the edge there, and I'm off. I have to go up to the, up the ground now. Yeah. But again, <clears throat> for me, that's what I, that's why I think Quanta is deserving of it. Um and but that second half performance, like it's such chalk and cheese to see the team do that and turn it on and turn on the style again. It's the first time I think in two, three years, I'd say, that I felt Jesus, this team has something about it again. It has bollocks that it hasn't had in in three years, mm. and it was and it's big boys. The big boys are back. Do you know what I mean? And it's not the same fellas before, but the big boys are back, and they know that they have the games in their hand and they know they can shift the gears. We haven't seen them shift gears in two years. 
Like this was the if you think about the running we had when we went up against City the year before last, we were scraping over the line as it got towards the end of the season. Yeah. We were happy to take a one nil and it was scrappy, right? <coughs> this team has this team has gears, and I'm glad I'm glad in a way they're not in full throttle. Because you want to yeah. build into that for, for after Christmas and that running that you know, that bit where it just takes over, momentum takes through. But just to know that they have it in their head now, we can turn the dial and other teams can't live with us. Like wolves were all over us that first half. I think that's part of the plot. I think that was part because we, we were talking about this last night on the show, and Emma was like, Is this a fucking plan from him to do this? And I don't think it's a plan. Emma wasn't trying to make it out it was a plan, but I think it might have been something in his head going, Right, we probably need one of these lads in midfield. And what we do is we just try preserve we just try hang not hang in there but try control this a little bit get the half time and nil all and then we can introduce the five subs at, and just make ourselves stronger and stronger and go and win the game it worked out very well in the end but the first half wasn't how it was meant to be it was i think it was meant to be a lot more no. controlled than that and it just didn't work that way and the, the pick in midfield is probably the one that doesn't because it was uh, listen, it was all over the place so i as i said worrying Balloon, he was he was just full of helium. He just that's why he was he was lighter than it was. His head was all over the shop. But honestly, I, I think yeah, Quants, I'll give you Quants. I think it's a, it's a great show. He's um, done well there, Dom. He doesn't like the winners most weeks. No, I don't <laughs> like the winners. I could argue about other things. I could ask you why are we talking about Salah? He's just glorious, and he's got another three assists in his back pocket, and, he, and he's just he's just Two. it's just stupid. It's football stupid. He should do. And he Harvey Elliott should get the last goal as well. That's stupid. But, it used to like if, if Peter Peter Crouch's first goal for Liverpool is Peter Crouch's first goal for Liverpool, then Harvey Elliott was way more on target than Crouch's was. Yeah, but, so, but but if if Harry Kane's out swearing his daughter's life that he touched the ball like when he did, it, so, like, <laughs> it should be Harvey Elliott's goal. Jordan Pickford should be up in court over the amount of language he used against those linesmen, and there's not even a hint today. There's not a hint. Right, I'll be we're getting onto this, Gav. Don't worry, we're getting onto oh, this yeah. in, in a few minutes, right? Okay, in terms of what's there, but look, I'll just in terms of what it is. It's to me, yeah, I'm giving you a dom and going with it. So, uh, Gav, your winner of the week, Paul Heckingbottom, please, John. Um, Grant, because we're coming into we're, this is this is we're, not, we're sliding now into the area that we yeah. want to really get into, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because honestly, right, he, he should literally be banned for two games and a hundred grand fine because that's the rules nowadays, um, as we've seen in recent weeks. But I watched that interview. And I thought to myself, do you know what? If he gets the fine, everyone that supports football should be putting money in towards that fine. Because he spoke so much fucking sense to the point where he went, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. We're trying to tell them what's wrong. And they're looking at you as if you have 10 heads. So for anyone that doesn't know, Paul Heckingbottom is the manager of Sheffield United. They were beaten late on by Spurs at the weekend. They were 1-0 up with going into injury time. It was 12 minutes of injury time. Um, Spurs scored in the 90 plus 11 um, so that'd be 101 isn't it by my maths and yep. um, Ollie McBurney gets sent off um, simply for telling the, the referee that his short was being pulled he gets sent off for that okay and Paul Heckenbottom does an interview which is about 2 minutes 20 long I think when I watched it earlier <laughs> and he ba- what he basically says is, is look forget the football stuff here for a minute right we lost the game forget the football stuff for a minute but what he was saying is, is that they are going to officials and Howard Webb with certain issues that the lads want sorted and Howard, or isn't Howard Webb that does it, yeah? And the, the different Crook. issues here and there, right? And literally, referees do not know what they're trying to referee here. He's saying, look, you go in, you go in at half time, you get two or three minutes of injury time. And next of all, there's 12 in the second half. Mm-hmm. So he's like, where is this coming from? Now... 
he 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 made he made a point of saying forget the football stuff like it's disappointing to lose the game but he cannot get his head around what the referees are doing and how they're trying their best to influence football games with their own narrative and their own way of looking at things his argument is there shouldn't be a narrative and their way of looking at things there should be one way to referee a game and you referee you know the sort of way like you take and I know where he's coming from because I watched Arsenal yesterday, who had four minutes of injury time at Goodison Park in in the second half yesterday. The substitutions would have made up four minutes of injury time at Arsenal yesterday. Arsenal took twenty six seconds to take a, a corner kick yesterday before they scored. Twenty six seconds. This twenty six seconds is a long period of time when you're watching a guy standing at a corner flag with a football. It's a long period of time, and he's just. I think his whole argument is they're just making these numbers up now to, you know, form their idea of how this game should go and how this game should end. And I, I think he's the winner. He's my winner of the week by a fucking country mile because I'm blue in the face talking about these idiots. And I know for a fact there's going to be someone in the chat tonight or in the comments tomorrow going, oh, they were talking about the referees again. But when this continues to go on, you have to keep talking about it. You have to keep pointing it out. If Liverpool win every game from now to the end of the season, after six games, are we just going to stop talking about it? Because it's boring. Because Liverpool keep winning and it's the same thing. No, we're not. So when this happens, and he's he's basically saying what everybody's thinking, and he's having the courage to come out and say, him, him and him are fucking brutal. Right? He should get a fine. because that. Well, he shouldn't, but he... The way they're going now, he will. Because everyone has to protect the PGMOL and all their members. And I just think he's the winner of the week by an absolute mile. And fair fucking play to him. And if he gets if he gets a, a, a fine, I hope someone sets up a GoFundMe to pay it. Send me the link and I'll throw a few quid in. 100%. Paul Hagenbottom. He got a round of applause on my gaff. I called all the members of my family in at the weekend. I mean, listen, clap the at the members, have a board meeting. Clap at the telly, I said. Just clap at that telly. Don't mind that balloon going but has in the background. Just clap at the telly. <laughs> it's and important. Blow the balloon. Blow the balloon. Hecking bottom winner of the week. It's an early boy. kickoff. Blow my the big, balloon. Sorry, my biggest winner of the week this season by an absolute mile. Dom, do you agree? Couldn't agree more. How many times are we going to sit here and talk about this? I can't even give them a name. Just, just, just pure nonsense, isn't it? Week in, week out. It's you know we're not even we're not even anywhere near Christmas yet, and we're spending enough every week talking about officials and officials who have never played the game before, which is the most disappointing thing for me, because you're constantly hearing professional footballers call out for someone to actually be in the room, on a VAR room first of all, who's played the game, or at least in a official capacity as a referee or an assistant, something along those lines, it's not happening. So, you know, you put stupid in, you get stupid out. They have never played football before or to a level of professional. So why should they be in charge of how football should be played? I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Um, Gav's bang on the money. Heckenbottom deserves a standing ovation from everyone, deserves a clap. People might see it as he's cracking up a little bit. I... I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a it was one of them Kevin Keegan moments where people will look back on and hopefully, you know, once all this shit blows over and they make a change, it's actually something that we can look back on. So and this is this is the one bit I want to lead on from it. So it's to take on I completely agree with your point. Um and I think managers 
are censored because they're scared about the fines and the impact it's going to have. But there is a League Managers Association, the LMA, that's there, right? They need to come together as a body and say, we are going to literally destroy the referees in post-match press conferences. And we're going to ignore fines and bans until the FA takes this to task. At the moment, what's happening is nothing is happening. Nothing's happening. Yeah. You have you have the referees sitting behind a guy who is questionable in terms of his fairness and his ability to match a to referee um, without bias or without lenses. You have continually dodgy decisions that's going on, questionable abilities to, to lead on the VAR. You've got bad decisions leading to results on a week-in, week-out basis. You've got Anything that isn't a black and white decision is being faffed in terms of what's happening. And so when a manager comes out, he's he's going to get take a fine. He's going to be banned from the stadium. He's going to be banned from the matches. The managers now have an onus and a responsibility upon themselves to say, we are not going to take this anymore. We've, 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 we've towed the line. We've, we've done what we've been asked. We've sat there. We've tried to have the debate with the PGMOL. We've had the debate with the things. We've asked you, you have let us down. This league has let us this down. This is the whole you, point. This whole point yep. is, is that you keep giving us these directions on what's to be done. Yeah. And we're following those directions. You're making decisions that go against those directions. And when we question you, you're looking at us as if to say, what are you talking about? Like Robert McGuire says, I've seen players of the weekend kicking balls away. No yellows, they must have changed the rules again. No, they haven't changed mm -hmm. the rules. But what happens is they make a big song and dance of it for one weekend. People get booked, Trent Alexander-Arnold being one of them. People get booked, and then people go, well, that won't happen again. But it just continues to happen. But they've made their stand on it. That's their, This week they're making their stand on this. And this is Heckingbottom's biggest point. Keep giving us all these rules to play with. And when we mm -hmm. play by them, and the referees step outside them, and we go, what's going on? The referees are looking at them as if they go, what are you talking about? It's And I know where Dom's coming from going, it's kind of a... Fair play to him and Kevin Keegan moment, but people will laugh at him for that, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think it has to stop where people laugh at him for it, right? People actually have to go, you know what, he's right. And other managers have to come out and say, you know what, fuck it, let's all take a fine, let's all That's put two saying. million, let's all put two million quid into the fucking into the the PGMOL's account and go here. We're saying what we fucking want. On Friday's interviews, because we are going to oh, do us a hundred grand, oh, oh, and all Gav. the managers will stand away, and it has to get there, because what happens is the tribalism and, the, and all this, and we all argue about decisions and stuff like that. I don't mind the decision where we can argue and go. I'm not too sure, but it's actually when they do stuff where it's their rules they're not following. That no, it, it's just and this is what what they what they need to do is not just on a Friday, they need to just come together as a group. The managers do right and even the players through the, the the pfa they need to come to come together a group and say when we're interviewed this weekend we are not holding back right if the referee has made an unmerciful fuck up on the in these games or bad decisions we are going to call it out we are held accountable if we dive we are held accountable if we put in a bad challenge we are he held accountable if we make a, a poor decision or a match decision that's going on if i lose my rag on the sideline i'm held accountable in the post-match interview i'm held accountable for everything i say in the newspapers these people don't have to explain the decisions don't have to apologize don't don't get held accountable are being hidden from the decision making process that's going on and no matter what goes on if anybody dares to stand and say anything, this is this is and uh, this is this is classic institutionalization in, in a nutshell. You cannot 
say anything against the institution. It's the police force, it's the government, it's all that type of stuff that sits in the media. But this is classic institutionalization of, of a body which are meant to be professionals. If those professionals are incapable of doing their job, which has been proven over and over again, we've got the names of the guys. We know people that we shouldn't know the names of. You've got your man who elbowed Andy Robertson in the face, elbowed him in the face as he crossed the pitch. Sorry. No, it's not. It's not. He elbowed him in the face. And at the end of the day, there's no accountability because these guys are held above the commonality, which is the fans and the managers and the players. It has they have they are on a different level to everyone else, and therefore will be treated differently to everybody else. They shouldn't be, and that's where the managers and the players need to take accountability for themselves and take the fines, take the bans. Just say, Do you know what? We don't care until this changes. We are going to call you out. We are going to call you out. And call him out by name. Don't even don't hide behind the referee. Call him out by name. The, the Paul Tierney thing. Well, the guys come- did. Heckman no, that's did. what I'm saying. And and the thing is, like, <clears throat> like Jordan Pickford is pictured clearly fucking having a go and an official. Let's right. Let's go there. I'm I'm giving him I'm giving him right as much as I slag him off for loser of the week for his ability to play football. He's clearly the winner of the week because he's able to course and swear on camera at the referees and the linesmen and not get called but, about. But the thing is, right? This is what I'm saying. They make a big stand one week, three games ago. They made a big mm-hmm. stand against Virgil Van Dijk. They let it draw out and then handed him another ban, a hundred grand fine. Right now, by the rules, Paul Heckingbottom and Jordan Pickford should both be receiving fines of a hundred grand this week and a, and a game ban. Right? Yep. Right. That's the way it should be. Now, I'm not saying that's right because I think the rule is fucking nonsense. Right? That you know, this is this is ridiculous. Referees have had abuse thrown at them for years and years and years. Go back into listen to any interview with referees in the mid nineties and the abuse they get and they, they basically tell the player fuck off annoying me, will you? Piss off and play the game. And that's the way it should go. Right? But that's the way it should be. But it won't because they made their stand three games ago. They got their big hyper ball around it and now it's just back to normal. Kick the ball away, throw it your fucking one. We made our stand three weeks ago. We're not doing it again. So it's just it's just half-hearted rules they're making. But the problem yeah. managers are having now is, is that you're making these and then you're just fucking not implementing them. And we're playing by this rule that you're actually not implementing. And it's... I just don't know how they put up it. Like, and this is, and I'm saying this because Liverpool won at the weekend. Liverpool could win every week and I could come back on here and genuinely do an hour show every single week on these referees. I might actually. And I might just do it myself. I might just record myself, not release it anywhere because people just tell me it's boring. And I'll just listen back and go, yeah, Gav, you know what? You're fucking right. Who are we playing the weekend? And that's the way I go about it, just to cleanse my own mind. But it, I just find that it, it's... It's just appalling, Phil. It's absolutely appalling. And, absolutely and this is meant to be a product that they're trying to promote. And they can't even put the rules in place that they've done. They've made. And they can't put them in place. Or they just don't want... The, we'll deal with this week, but we leave it then. It's too much fucking work. It's too much going on. Do you know what I mean? Do you know it's what I mean? a joke. Yeah. Right, quick quick fire. We're, we're towards the end and I want to go to bed. Um, right. So quick fire. We've got uh, go five minutes on the clock, right? So it's, uh, right. it's now 30 minutes past 11. We go I used five to minutes able to do a clock. clock on this. I can't remember how we do it now. <laughs> I used to be able to do a clock on loads of things, Gav. I can't do it anymore either. It's the age thing. Uh, right, so Dom, something we've missed out on. Rock and roll. Go. Give me one. Winner or loser, what's it going to be? Hey, Loser. <laughs> What's the question? Sorry. Pick one. Anything. Any winner or any... I'll go first. Okay, go you on. go first, Gav. Start um, off. I will go with 
I'm gonna go with the Everton centre half, Brantley. Um, I don't even know. This is a regen no, pro he, evo. No, he's, I, he's not a regen name. pro evo. It's not real. Um, so I'm, he's gonna, a no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him because um, he was loaned out last he's, season and he probably he's with PSV. He probably had to look on and go, how am I not playing again? ahead of these shitheads? And he's actually turned up and he actually looks like a proper defender. Um, despite how bad, despite how bad um, Everton were the weekend, he looks a player. So I like well, to, as I, much as I've lashed I, Everton, I think Brantway was really good the weekend. So I give him I a, don't a I don't know who he is. I just want to commend him on being able to get out of a cartoon that he was in as part of the Royal Rovers, like aha in 1984's take on me and turned himself into a real footballer on Everton pitch. Well done. Whoever you are, Brantway, that's fair play to you. Must be you thought you used to play forward for Barcelona a while back there in Getafe, which is Leon Braithwaite. So it's all the same people. Uh, right. I'll go I'm gonna go with one, right? So my winner of the week is Maurizio Pochettino for just vanishing. Right? <laughs> so it's amazing, right? This fella is the manager of Chelsea. Haven't heard a thing from him. Haven't seen him. They've not won a game in four years or something like that, right? They've less points than Everton have at this stage of the season. And yet nobody's talking about Maurizio Pochettino. I think it's amazing. They've spent £166 trillion in the summer on players, right? There's a fella called Mudrick. Like, he was in Blackadder 5 playing in the wing that cost £88.5 And again, another fella that was in a comic book 15 years ago, right? And it's just, this is amazing. There's not a hint. I just don't know what's going on. It's it's immense. It's brilliant. It's everything levels of being invisible. And I'm giving Mauricio Pochettino whatever his name, whatever he's doing now. He's not even there. He's, I'd say he's living in George Schmadick's gaff in Ibiza for the last five weeks and is just having a crack. So fair play to Mauricio. No, he's there, but he seems to be fixing it. Every time you look at him, he seems to be fixing the... Um, fixing something, isn't he? He's always fixing, fixing something. On his, on his, <laughs> yeah. uh, constantly fixing like the the end of his jacket, you know, on his wrists, like the, the, the band or whatever on his jacket, which is really fucking weird. Um, I've got, okay, I've got a winner. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with a guy that doesn't really get a mention in in, in anything really. Tarek Lamptey, Brighton, um, massive injury last season. He's off for I think it was nine or ten months at one point, and then bangs two or three assists in an old traffic from left back, not even his natural position. I think I think he's a quality player. I think obviously he cost a lot of money for Brighton. Chelsea sold him. If I'm right, is that right? Chelsea yep. sold him, and I think he looks like a star for the future. I'm surprised no one's really sniffing about him. Um, I have one. Go, uh, Gary Neville. Um, and not for the reasons you Which think. So, no, 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 which no not for the reasons you think. Gary, I've seen a video of Gary Neville today saying he's walking through Manchester, um, a half oh, five on his well, way yeah. home, and it's quite cold. And um, one more degree of coldness, <sighs> and I think he'll probably hoodie. Now I think someone have got subliminal messages out of this, like he's he's rallying the troops for another green and gold fucking protest but the big thing that came out for me was why is Gary never walking around in a t-shirt and in one degree less he's going to prone a jumper um, should you not go somewhere in between he's just weird um, so Gary no, never no, Norwich's club shop for the retro scarves are on high alert there's there's a there's a massive Delia influx Smith of money coming from the fucking yeah. new extension on the gaff and everything I'd say new, new program coming. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a loser of the week um, <laughs> that, that's sitting on it the Saudi Arabian Football League I turned it on I watched the one that I thought was real and it was Neymar playing in a friendly right and then I turned yeah. on the real <laughs> yeah. one and it was the exact same level. I've seen Fabinho <laughs> play there, and apparently, thank God Fabinho's gone. The team Henderson and Wijnaldum now play for played in front of nine hundred fans at the weekend. Yeah, shit. 
lads, no, I'm no. telling you, this this is this unbelievable. I was watching the pace of it. I seen Neymar score a goal, and it's like he may as well have gone up the mountain and got sixteen goat herders, brought them down, and they would have played a better game of football than the fellas that are out there. Even the fellas who are from Europe saying, "Here, this is it." We're piling on the pounds, eating the food, just having the crack. They don't even need to run anymore. It's just, it's grand, it's sorted. So it's uh, absolutely pointless. There's people, the television companies have signed TV deals to put that stuff on across the world. You're having a draft. They must be getting paid billions. To, there's no idea they're getting, they're getting paid to put it on. It's, it's Cup, appalling. I've got a quick team. loser. On a quick loser before we do well, it. Yeah. Howard Webb for being a horrible, dirty mank prick. That's there. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Quick ones before we go. Um, Avo says the winner of uh, is that stop oil product that has glued himself to the track at the E E3. Uh, winner has to be told Bowley with his new Phantom Company sponsor deal. Um, let me see. Uh, there was a couple more there. Oh, loser, the kit man of West Ham for choosing to match the shorts of their kit to Man City's away kit to piss off viewers around the world. Yeah, I did see something about that. Anyway, uh, the five minutes is up. We're in showbiz, baby. Baby. The last one I never got to is, I want to say, uh, on, over the last few weeks, Ange Postacoglu, the sports manager. Yeah, I like really him, well. right? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I like him in terms of talking and fair play to him and well done. It's a... Uh, it's it's fair play to him, and um, in, in the same way I enjoy Klopp, whether he's ratty or whether he's not ratty. Just watch the press torn them as soon as he gets ratty with them, because then it'll be knives out. And who do you think you are? Go back to Australia. You're trying to rob the ashes, and all that type of stuff be coming at him. Yo, he's here on the cover to rob the ashes. Fuck me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. This always comes out. Maybe you yeah. should put another shrimp on that Barbie there, and she's like, yeah. "Oh, yeah. okay." Yeah. Yeah. Fuck off, Yeah, we yeah. get all that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, he's doing really well. And um, yeah, I've said it before. I'll say it again. He's perfect for what sports need. Yeah. And he didn't realise they needed it, but he's perfect because he's not he's a the gentleman. Massive... Gav, he's a gentleman. I've a lot of time from he's, he's gentleman. Not, he's not the most high, high profile, but he knows what he's, he's doing. He's not Rod Little. He's a gentleman. That's all wow. I'm saying, Gav. He's, he's a anyway, nice man. If, nice reactions to the Eamon Dunphy stuff there. I forgot I had the Eamon Dunphy one. Uh, here we go. We're, We're in showbiz, baby. Yeah, baby. that's brilliant. I love him. Yeah. Uh, Roy, is that it? That's it. Did you actually, on, on the Eamon Dunphy one, did you see the story that was hacked up and it wasn't actually about him at all during the week where, where it was claimed that Eamon Dunphy um, betted that he could out-sprint Mick McCarthy after, before the 1990 <laughs> World Cup, right? Yeah. And... Um, so this is, I can't remember who put it out. Tony Cascarino, it was in his, it was in his article oh, at the come weekend. Come here, Cascarino. Right? Oh, no, Cascarino. Oh, this Cas- is, this is the fella that's nowhere near Irish. He had got an Irish passport and everything. No, no. Oh, he's like, basically, he had an ice cream man who was an Irish fella and he got an Irish passport out the back of him. Yeah. Classic Jack Charlton time. Uh, you know. Anyway, so Tony Cascarino was six in it. Eamon Dunphy really didn't dislike Mick McCarthy's selection into the squad. And it just reminds him of all these things, blah, blah, blah. And he said, even at one stage, um, Eamon Dunphy uh, offered to, uh, to have a sprint against Mick McCarthy um, before a match to prove that he was quicker, right? And he said that Dunphy turned up in a pair of jeans and so the two of them went at it to have a sprint and uh, McCarthy just about won just by a nose at the end, right? But it ended up that McCarthy... McCarthy was out for, for four weeks after pulling his hamstring on the 100 meter sprint, right? <laughs> so, so anyway, it turns out that it wasn't actually Eamon Dunphy, but it did happen. 
right? This is the best bit about it. It did happen. It was, I think it was Mark McCadden or something. He was he was the sports writer in the evening press at the time, right? And he went out and he had a sprint before a Republic of Ireland football match against Mick McCarthy, to which Mick McCarthy pulled his hamstring and was out for four weeks. And he four, just about be a journalist, which actually proved how slow Mick McCarthy was as a centre-back. Oh, and on that, I'll give you Johnny Evans. If anybody wants Johnny Evans, I'll have you on a 100-metre sprint. Not a bother at all. I'm 46. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so do it. Let's get it on. Go yeah. on, get us out right. of here. Um, any have we anything to, to, to plug no. off before we go? No. Okay. Right, folks. Thank you for all the wonderful comments in the in the piece. Um thank you, Dom, for coming on. Dom, do you want to plug anything before we go? Um, this week's episode on the podcast is Bruno Shearu, a man forgotten by many. Um, I got him on my grey and black Liverpool shirt because I was told he was the next Zidane by Gerard Hulier. Turns out he wasn't. <laughs> so, that was a great winner at Stanford Bridge, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's on, he's on this week, and we we talked about Hulier. We talked about, obviously, being labelled the next Sheru. We talked about Juve and his antics in the dressing room. Um, Steven Gerrard being the technical director at Lyon. And, yeah, he's, he was, a, to be fair to him, he was a top fellow. His English was brilliant, and he, he spoke fondly of Liverpool. So, yeah, have a listen. Bruno Shearer, he wasn't the one that was cousins with um, your man who scored in the the Champions League run for us, and he would have t- they had them down as unlikely cousins. What was your man's name? Played anti. Latalek. Um, Latalek. No, it was Pongal. Pongal and Latalek were cousins. That was it. That's that strange yeah. fact of the week. Yeah. People are out there. That's, that's the... Yeah, 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 yeah. They were both signed from La Harve together, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. So and they were cousins as well. So yeah, that's it. That's right. That. Um, uh, Gav, I need to, you've, you said we've not the plug. So, uh, yeah. Ashley, you asked me, I'm running up any new mountains. Um, no, I'm not running up any mountains until November when I'm running in a charity race across the Dublin Mountains for the Dublin Wicklow Mountain Rescue Teams. Um, so, that's the next time I'll be doing anything at all in that levels. Anyway, that's been the winners and losers. That's been Gav. That's been Dob. I've been your host, Phil. Good night, God bless, except for Howard Webb. He's <laughs> a fucking man, Chris. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Ben. Marka. <laughs>